Welcome to week number three of the cross or the sword. Today in week three, we're building on what we've already talked about. And I'm excited about today because we are going to talk about the cross as a weapon. So far, we've talked about giving up the sword, the sword being the way the world works, that the world works through titles and authority and control and power. And so week one, we talked about giving up control. Week two, we talked about letting the cross dictate our joy and our love and our peace and not letting circumstance dictate that, which is what the sword tries to do. But the cross is far more powerful. But what I don't want you to, to get out of this series is that the cross is passive that the cross is not powerful because the cross is the most powerful thing in the universe. That this sword is deceptive, but the cross is powerful. And today we're gonna to talk about the weapons. So today's title for this week's message is called Wage War with the Cross. And as we jump into that, I wanna remind you of a passage that we've been using that's found in Matthew chapter 26, verses 51 through 53. In this passage, there's a disciple of Jesus that takes out his sword. The guards are coming to take Jesus away to go to the cross and show us the way of the cross. And he takes his sword and cuts off an ear. He's not very good with the sword, obviously, because he misses him altogether and barely gets him with the ear. He takes off his ear and Jesus tells him, look, stop. Put away your sword because those who live by the sword will die by the sword. He said, I have the power to call 12 legions of angels to set me free from this moment. And yet I'm going this way, the way of the cross, that he has the power to wield the sword. And yet he chose the cross, that he has all the power he needs. And yet he submits to the cross because it's a powerful weapon in our arsenal. And so we have this ability and this longing, this addiction to, to take the sword out and to use it at any time we get the chance. See, because that disciple, as he was following Jesus, spent three years with him. And still he thought, you know what? In this moment, I need to wield the sword. In this moment, I can depend and hope on the sword. I can, I can control the situation. Even though I've spent three years with Jesus and seen how he's acted and how he's lived and know that I can trust the way that he's leading me, I still think I've got to control with the sword and didn't recognize how powerful the way Jesus was leading him was going to be, how powerful the weapon, the way the cross is. You know, this week I had this temptation, this longing to use the sword again. Even in the midst of this message series, there are still moments because it's like that addiction that no matter how long you spend with Jesus, you still have this longing to go back to the control, to go, go back to, to adjusting our circumstances and depending on the sword. See, there was a, something that popped up on my newsfeed on Facebook and I started reading through these parents who were abusing their child. They were accused of all of these things and it listed them. And as I was reading them, I was getting more and more angry, more and more frustrated to the point to where I thought, man, just give me a chance to teach them a lesson. Give me the chance to, to take my sword and, and, and beat, it, beat them with it, to, to take my sword and slash through them, to take my sword and to, and to bring justice in this situation. And as I thought through it, I realized, no, I've seen the way the sword works. The sword only brings more death and destruction. If you live by the sword, you die by the sword. And what I wanted to become is the same thing that those abusers were. I wanted to abuse them for abusing their kids. And then the, it keeps continuing on. It's like a snowball effect where it gets worse and worse, where we continue to project and to be, continue to become more and more of what the sword is and less and less what the cross is. And so today, I want you to recognize this. If you live by the sword, you die by the sword. The weapon we wield will be the weapon that kills us. I want to say that again if you're taking notes. 
the weapon we wield will be the weapon that kills us. That, that when we choose to wield justice on people, then it is justice that we have always deserved and we're gonna get the justice, we're just not gonna like it. When we use abuse to fix abusers, we become that and we will be judged by that. The weapon we wield will be the weapon that kills us. See, the way the sword works is by power and control. The way the cross works is completely different. And as followers of Christ, we're called to see what the cross does and we're called to see the world differently. It says it like this in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses three through five. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. That listen, we are called to fight a war. It's just that we're not called to use the sword in this war. In this war. We are called to use the cross. And to be clear, the cross is a weapon because our cross is effective at demolishing strongholds. See, in that moment where I was longing to, to, to be the abuser and to bring justice in that moment, I was becoming that. And I've seen it consistently throughout history. I've seen where serial killers who deserve that justice and deserve what they got, I see people at their execution having bloodlust in their eyes and excited for their death. And it looks to me like they become exactly what they hate. That our weapon is far more powerful than what the sword can do because it demolishes the strongholds. It makes the world obedient to Christ. It makes our thoughts obedient to Christ because our cross is a weapon. In order to recognize what the cross does, we have to see things differently. We have to recognize that if we can see, these, see this world with spiritual eyes, we'll see what's really going on. That in reality, that we have, have in our past been the abusers. See, if we're gonna trust the way of the cross, we're gonna have to see the world the way the cross does. That we're gonna have to view the world through the eyes of Jesus. And what Jesus seems to do is he seems to see people and have compassion on them. He doesn't see them as the enemy over and over in scripture when they're sinning, when they're lost in their sin. It seems like he feels sorry for them as though they're the victims. And what I believe is taking place, and I believe scripture tells us is taking place, is that we're in the midst of a war that we're in the midst of a, a battleground. And what has taken place is that the soldiers that Satan are using in this fight are really what, what the world has defined as like Stockholm syndrome, where those soldiers are, are people who have been convinced that their way is right. They have been so convinced and so conditioned that they are right and that the, the thing that they're being led by is right, that they have a form of Stockholm syndrome. Stockholm syndrome is where you start to have sympathy and believe that the one that abuse it, that is abusing you is the one that's right. Even if they kidnapped you, even if they've done all kinds of injustices to you, you still choose to take their side. That eventually you might have seen it correctly, but they brainwashed you and convinced you that, you know what? I'm the one that's going to treat you right. I'm the one that's going to give you what you want. And many of us have found ourselves in Stockholm syndrome with Satan. And much of the world has found themselves in Stockholm syndrome, where they're the soldiers thinking that the way they're fighting and what they're fighting for is right, but really they're the victims. It says it like this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, 
who is the image of God. That, that we have been blinded. At some point in our life, before we followed Jesus, we were blind to what God was and who he was and what he was wanting to do in our life. And we were convinced that the God of this age, that Satan, that the power of the sword was what we needed and what we needed to wield. But when Jesus opened our eyes, we were able to see some things differently. See, because if you're taking notes, the cross works differently because it sees things differently. That the cross has its eyes open. The person who follows the cross has their eyes open to see the world in a different way. And still, even after knowing who Jesus is and what Jesus has done in our life, we still have the temptation to go back to our Stockholm Syndrome. We still have this temptation to go back and decide that, oh, maybe the sword will work this time. Maybe I'm supposed to wield the sword in this moment and this way. And we have to constantly recognize that our eyes need to be open to what Jesus would do in every situation and what the cross would do in the midst of this battle. And so that allows us to not see people as the people we're fighting against, but rather in this war, in this battle, to see them as Stockholm Syndrome victims. That the people who are fighting on behalf of Satan in this world think that they're doing right, think that they're righteous. No matter how evil a person has become over and over again throughout history, they have had the ability to justify their behavior and think that they were right because Satan has blinded their eyes. And so our job, as followers of the cross, is to see them the same way Jesus does, as victims. We see them and recognize that, yes, the injustice that is happening, the child abuse, the serial killer, what they're doing is wrong, but they're doing it because someone has blinded their eyes, has convinced them and, and tricked them into thinking that this is okay and they had to do it and they didn't have a choice. And we choose to see them the way Jesus does, as victims. And I want to challenge you as you fight this battle with the cross, if you're taking notes, don't let Satan use people as collateral damage in this war. Don't let Satan use people as collateral damage in this war. Because God chose to have mercy on us while we were the ones victimizing, while we were the ones bringing pain to people we love, while we were the ones being selfish and justifying our selfishness. God still had mercy on us that we were the ones that Satan had convinced that we were right and righteous in everything we did. And finally God opened our eyes and we chose to follow him in the way of the cross and say, you know what, I see things differently now. I see where I was wrong. And some people haven't got there yet. And we're not gonna let Satan convince us that that's who we're fighting against because we know our weapon is spiritual. It says it like this in Ephesians chapter six, verse 12. It says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. See, we have weapons to fight with, but our weapons aren't against people. That people are not the enemy. People are the victims. And yes, what they're doing might be wrong, but our goal is to defeat the strongholds that are trying to take them out. See, because people are not our enemy. Satan is our enemy. Spiritual forces that are being used by Satan are our enemy. And if that means they're our enemy and the people he's using are victims, then our weapon needs to be spiritual. And our weapon needs to defeat the strongholds that are victimizing them and controlling them and making them think that it's right. And the sword will not do that. The sword will only make us worse and them worse. It will only make them dig their heels in and think that they were right. And so we're gonna have to choose to use the spiritual weapons that God has given us.
So what are those weapons? Today, I want to leave you with four weapons. There's, there's lots that you could think through, but I want to leave you with four powerful weapons, and I'm ready for you to fight this battle and to see it as a battle. The first weapon I want to talk about is worship. See, I want to kind of talk about how, how you start to change you in order to be a, a, a soldier that changes others. I want to talk about how you get changed in order to fight the battle you're called. We've already kind of done that with talking about giving up control and not letting circumstances dictate us. But worship is a powerful weapon to shift things in us. See, what happens for Paul and Silas is while they're worshiping, they're actually in chains. They've been, they've been, they've been put in prison for the gospel. And while in prison, in chains, they start to worship. And all of a sudden, their chains are broke free. And I believe that that's true then, and it's still true now, spiritually. That when we choose to worship, it starts to set some things loose in our heart, starts to help us see with God's eyes, and it changes the world around us. It physically changes things. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, we see where God sent worshipers to confuse the enemy. The second thing worship does is it goes on your behalf and defeats some things that are in your way. As you worship God, he goes out and he is doing some crazy things on your behalf, defeating some enemies that you weren't able to take down. The second weapon I want you to recognize that's powerful is prayer. That our prayer is a weapon. Not only does it change us, but it changes the world around us. That we see all kinds of scripture where uh, our small amount of faith is powerful and can move mountains when we speak. And we see in Daniel chapter 10, where God says that he answered the very first day we prayed. We see that he sends his, his forces out to defeat the enemy and there's a battle that ensues. And that's why we have to constantly pray in an effort to continue that battle where we pray and we pray. And what scripture says is that we pray without ceasing because we know God is hearing and we know God is listening and we know God is fighting our battle for us as we pray. The third thing that we have, the third thing that we have in this battle, in this fight is the word of God. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 tells us the word of God is, is sharper than any two-edged sword. And what I want you to recognize with this weapon is that, that that weapon is really dangerous. And you need to be careful and have the, the heart of the cross when you decide to wield it. That you're wielding it in the way that God has wielded it and, you, and called you to wield it. That you choose to follow the way of the cross even with the word of God. Now, what that scripture doesn't say is the Bible. It says the word of God. Be very careful in just randomly quoting scriptures because the Bible, as you read it, is the word of God when you follow it, listen to it, and hear what God's saying through it. You can take scriptures out of context and use that sword to wield it over people and beat people over the head with the Bible and not use it the way of the cross. And it can be a dangerous weapon, but it can also be a life-changing weapon. When you follow the word of God, and you quote the word of God with the, the hope and the, and the joy that is set before us on the cross, then you can change lives. It says, scripture says that it's, it's able to divide the soul and the spirit. It's able to cut through things and cut through our motives and help lay bare the things that we've been hiding. And so there'll be people in your life where you'll be talking and a, and a scripture will come to mind and you'll have the heart of the cross as you quote that scripture to them and it will help them see things that they've never seen before. That's why we study the word of God. That's why we pray while we're studying the word of God. And that's why we get it into us so that at the right time it'll come out and it will be a sharp sword that'll cut through all of the motives, all of the excuses, and it'll pierce their heart so that they can follow the way of the cross, so that they can have their blinded eyes open to see that the God of this age has been blinding them all along. And the last one that I want you to get 
And this is the one I want you to act on today. It says in, in Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, that they were overcome, they were overcomers by the word of their testimony. And that many of us uh, need to just tell our story. The testimony is just us, like in a court case, testifying to what God has done. So it's our job to testify to the world what God has done in our life. And look, you don't, you don't need to have spent years studying scripture to be able to tell people what God has done in your life. You don't need to be perfect at, at singing worship in the right pitch. You don't need to have all your prayer life perfect. Some of those things are intimidating and scary to think they're like, am I praying right? Am I doing that right? Am I really hitting that moment of worship I'm supposed to hit? Am I really reading this scripture right? But your testimony, you don't have to be perfect on. You just have to tell it. That's why we have four gospels. It's four different accounts of what took place. It's their testimony of what God has did, done in their life. And it's their testimony of what God did in the world. And it's our job to testify to the world what God has done in us and how God has changed us. Because for some people, they, they don't understand the Bible, they can't see it, but they know you and they see you. And your story can help them see what God has done in your life. It can change them and open their eyes to see what God wants to do in their life. And I wanna challenge you to take your testimony and use it today. That, that you don't wait until you think you're trained to start this fight because the way that the cross works is as soon as you sign on the dotted line, you learn in the game. You, you are already a soldier and he's already equipped you to do exactly what he wants you to do right then and there. He doesn't expect more out of you than you have. He expects you to just be faithful with what you have in that moment. And for some of you, all you have right now is just your testimony. And that's all God needs from you is for you to use that testimony to let the world know what God has done. So before you go today, before you, you check out online, before you go throughout the rest of your day or your week, I wanna challenge you to set in your heart the decision that you're gonna let your testimony out. You're gonna tell some people about what God has done in your life. It may be as simple as a social media post where you say, listen, this is where I was, and this is where I'm at now because of God. It may be a specific individual that you know God has placed on your heart to tell them, hey, look, I know you're going through some things. I went through that same stuff, and here's what God did. But whatever it is, make sure that you don't leave this experience without making the decision to share your testimony because you are an overcomer and it is a powerful weapon. And the way God is going to use it is to open blinded eyes to see that God is good and the way of the cross is powerful. Let's pray. God, I thank you that in this moment, there are people that have decided to share their testimony. And God, I pray as they use all of these weapons that you are gonna use every single one to help them win the war, the war that you said you've already taken care of. You've already told us the end. All our job is to do is to be faithful, is to be faithful and consistent in following you and your orders as soldiers in this war. And so God, I pray that you would use every bit of our faithfulness and God, defeat the enemy that stands before us. Defeat the enemy that's blinding the, the people that are trying to hurt us. Defeat the enemy that is trying to use everything around us to bring us down. Because God, you have said that we're called to be overcomers, that you have a, a powerful weapons inside of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Others of you, maybe in this moment where you're starting to recognize what the cross really is. Maybe you've been listening for a few weeks and it's starting to resonate that the way of the cross really is powerful. And if that's you, I would love to have a conversation. Maybe this is a big step for you and you're recognizing that, man, it's gonna take all I've got. It's gonna take my whole life. And that's what it's gonna take. He says, as you take the cross, you're gonna have to die to yourself and you have to choose to follow him. If that's you and you're saying, you know what, today 
I will, I'm ready to follow Jesus. Or maybe you're just ready to ask some questions about what it means to follow Jesus. Would love to have a conversation with you about what that means. You can connect with us in a couple ways. There's going to be a link in the feed here that you can follow to let us know that you're a follower of Christ. Or you can direct message the church and let us know. And we would love to connect with you and help you walk out the journey of becoming a fully devoted follower of Christ.